Well, happy Father's Day. Today, I'm bringing my message from my garage. This is the place where many fathers love to be, to serve their children well. And whether I'm cutting framing poles for my daughter's vegetable garden, or fixing a bike for my grandson, a father's garage is a great place to be. Well, I want to share a few quotes to kick off Father's Day Sunday. So quote number one, you can tell what was the best year of your father's life because they seemed to freeze that clothing style and ride it out. That was Jerry Seinfeld. Quote number two, a father carries pictures where his money used to be. That was Steve Martin. And quote number three, my father didn't do anything unusual. He only did what dads are supposed to do, be there. That was Max Lucado. Well, I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad. He's been a dad now for over 56 years and has always been the type of guy that you can depend on. Thanks, Dad. I love you. Well, this Father's Day, we happen to be in week three in our series on Proverbs called Foolproofing Your Life. And it's quite fitting because the Proverbs are written primarily by King Solomon, who, as a father, wanted to impart wisdom to his boys. Well, modern-day Proverbs are those familiar sayings that generally teach a principle. Things like, two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Those types of things. Think about a proverb that you live by, or maybe one that your dad quoted a lot. How has that impacted you? Well, King Solomon, he wanted to impart wisdom to his boys. Look at the lines of many of the Proverbs. Chapter 1, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Chapter 2, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. Chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching. Chapter 4, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. And chapters 5 and 6 and 7, they all begin in a very similar fashion. Well, the rest of the book of Proverbs continues to extol the virtues of wisdom and provides much counsel to help people live well, meaning to live with integrity and character. Now, unfortunately, as one author points out, the book of Proverbs is, is often mistaken for a collection of if-then rules that we can use to command and predict the outcome of our lives. But that's just not what they really are. Proverbs are general observations about how the world tends to work. They're not intended to be promises. If we think of every proverb as uh, an unbreakable rule or promise from God, well, then we're going to misunderstand, misapply, and misrepresent them when we engage with them. The wisdom in the book of Proverbs is more about how its knowledge and wisdom will affect us, rather than a list of rewards that we get for following the rules. Now, I kicked off this series two weeks ago looking at chapter one, and the bottom line there was, don't be an idiot. Fear God. Well, last weekend, our district superintendent, and many of us know him better as Pastor Eric, he shared 
the quilt of God's wisdom from a few of the chapters and from the most famous proverb in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Well, today I want us to revisit that same scripture as well as a few of the surrounding verses. And I encourage you to consider the rest of chapter 3 throughout the week. So let's get into it. Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 6. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So if we consider Solomon's words as identifying trends in a person's life, rather than a, as a conditional promises of God, you know, that whole if-then mindset, well, then we're going to see that the person who remembers their father's teaching, the one who abides by the good counsel of a godly man, is likely to enjoy many years peace and prosperity. But you know, unfortunately, it's not a guarantee. You and I both know that there are people, good, God-fearing people, whose lives were not prolonged, who endured strife and poverty rather than peace and prosperity. This proverb is not a rule, but rather a guiding principle for a higher percentage of probability. Now, generally speaking, Following wisdom's ways yields a good result. Binding love and faithfulness around our necks. Let's represent it by these Hawaiian-inspired lays. These are healthy additions to our lives. When a father's counsel is to have love and faithfulness as part of your life, that yields favor. Love and faithfulness, they typically yield better results than binding the opposite qualities around us. Hate and unfaithfulness. And let's represent that by this noose. When we have hate and unfaithfulness in our lives, we typically do not gain favor and a good name. Hate and unfaithfulness lead to heartbreak, but love and faithfulness they lead to favor and a good name. So people, listen to your father's wise counsel. And that brings us to the most famous proverb of all, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now this scripture is not a license to not think just because we don't understand something, but rather it is counsel to trust God when whatever we think is at odds with what God says, either when we read it in the historical experience of the Old Testament or in the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. When we have trouble with something in the Bible, Old or New Testament, don't just write it off. Think about it. Research it. Ask someone about it. I think about its context. Continue to trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own present understanding. Trust him 
for an answer. There used to be this misunderstanding that the Bible teaches us not to study or pursue education. Some people have misinterpreted Proverbs 3, 5, where it says, don't lean on your own understanding, to mean ignore reason, neglect study, and even scoff at scientific data and research. Now, unfortunately, using this verse as a license to abandon intellectual honesty can lead some people to the conclusion that Christianity is an unlearned and anti-intellectual faith. One author says this, Believing that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is telling us not to study runs counter to the rest of the book. When we read it in concert with passages like Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 6, we see that trusting the Lord involves seeking out wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. A new understanding and uh, something that's not your own. And that can feel counterintuitive to us sometimes. I want us to consider children who are learning the sport of baseball. Think of it this way. Children learning to play baseball are often afraid of the ball when it's their turn up to bat. Their instinct is to duck or to step out of the path of the oncoming ball. Their perception of the situation is that the ball is going to hit them. They have to trust when the coach tells them that the ball is not going to hit them. They have to let go of their own assessment of the situation and trust, having the wisdom to stand where the coach tells them so that they can swing the bat properly and hit the ball. Well, the same way that the child has to trust the coach and avoid a natural reaction to what's going on is what we have to do. We have to trust God with every situation in our lives and ask him the proper way to respond. Now, when we understand that faith does not require us to abandon our intellect, especially when we don't understand something, we begin to see how the Lord has put wisdom within the reach of his children. When we see all sound wisdom of humanity is the gift of God, we begin to see its beauty and its value. Well, you know, I just so happened to be reading in the book of James this past week. And centuries after King Solomon was teaching his boys about wisdom, James was also informing his readers about it. Let's have a look at it. James 1 verses 5 to 8. He wrote this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and, and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So we ought to pursue wisdom and invest in learning, knowledge, and understanding. We will abandon simplistic ideas about the Bible and the world around us and embrace the deeper treasures that the scriptures hold. And God's way is to ask for wisdom with believing hearts. Now, one author, they put uh, people into two categories, either a graffiti painter or a mural painter. Now, let me explain. 
Graffiti painters, they paint where they've not been given any permission. They paint in attempts to make territorial claims on property that they don't even own. They deface buildings and they do so in defiance of authority. Now, when someone paints a mural, they do so at the behest of the property owner. And they're often given a theme for their work. And if part of their work is not in line with the vision of the property owner, well, they correct it. Every stroke of the graffiti painter opposes the property owner. And the graffiti painter delights in their oppositions. Well, the mural painter's work is largely in concert with the vision of the property owner. And anything that they do wrong is forgiven if they own up to their mistake and they correct it. So this author, he is compelling people to pursue wisdom God's way. To operate in a way that indicates that we are subject to God rather than operate in defiance to him. Because as we do, in all our ways acknowledge him, he shall direct our paths. Now, the last bit of scripture that I want us to look at from Proverbs 3 is verses 11 to 12. So if we skip forward to that, it says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, does it seem odd to you that discipline can lead to wisdom? and is actually a reflection of love. Well, I can tell you that when my kids were behaving poorly, there was no way that I would tolerate them acting like spoiled brats. I love them too much to set them up for that type of life experience. Discipline means having the serious talk or the suspension of privileges for the purposes of teaching. It is not abuse, nor inflicting physical or emotional damage. I can recall many times when I have been disciplined by God. I would be reading the scriptures and something would grip my attention. An instruction to forgive or an, an instruction to holiness and purity. And it was as though God himself was saying, Roger, you're my son, so act like it. And it's not just the Proverbs that talk about the benefit of godly discipline. The New Testament does as well. I want us to look briefly at Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 8. It says this, If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Well, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, I don't really know why I felt compelled to talk on this, to add these two verses in our study of Proverbs 3. I trust that someone listening just really needed 
to hear it. Maybe you're feeling like God is always correcting you. Well, know that it's not to harm you, but is rather an expression of his love that we may share in his holiness. Or maybe you're a person who always resents discipline. You get your back up and you resent God for even pointing something out. Please let go of the resentment and consider that he disciplines those he loves. Or maybe being Father's Day, it's sensitive. It has some connection to your own dad's imperfections and, and that might be nagging at you. Please do not confuse man's imperfect ways with God's ways of doing things. Follow King Solomon's instructions to let love and faithfulness be a garland around your neck. Trust God, acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your paths. Let me pray for you. God, help us keep your commands in our hearts. Help us to, to trust you. Help us even to invite discipline because we know that you love us, that you would give us a your favor and a good name. Bless us, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen. Well, one final thought. May your garages be full of great memories, serving your children with power tools and bicycle pumps and water hoses and my favorite, chainsaws. Happy Father's Day.